Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome to Everyday Motherhood, the podcast that inspires you to pause, connect, and play more every single day. The podcast that's focused on you, the mom, to help you fill up your cup and rediscover the joy and love in your everyday life. We can't parent alone, and parenting is too serious to be serious all the time. Thanks for being here. My name is Christy Thomas. I am the founder and developer of PlayForLifeMoms.com. Let's jump in. I am so glad you're here with me today. Today's episode is with one of my favorite mentors. Her name is Julie Bogart, and she has five amazing kids, and she homeschooled for 17 years. 20 years ago, Julie started Brave Writer. She's the creator and owner of it. It's an online writing and language arts program um, that many homeschoolers use, and I'm one of them. She's not on today's episode, though, to talk about homeschooling or writing at all. She's here because Julie has a deep passion for healthy home relationships, and she knows that healthy home relationships allow for play and personal passion, even in the midst of parenthood. Now, before you get to hear Julie, I need to tell you about a special challenge that's going on starting on February 20th. So this is time sensitive. So I hope you're listening to this when it comes out. I need you to come join me in the 84 Hugs in 7 Day Challenge. And you can find the sign up in the show notes. But come join me. We're going to have a private Facebook group. And I'm going to send you videos for 7 days. You can do this. You can rekindle the spark in your relationship with your child. And go to bed feeling like a rock star. I am so excited that I have Julie Bogart here with me today. Can everyone say hi to Julie? Hi, Julie. (laughs) Hi, everyone. I love being here. I love Christy's podcast. Hi, Christy. Hi. I'm so excited that we got to do this because you, um, you helped unlock play for me like five years ago. So like you brought it along with Elizabeth Gilbert, like your homeschool alliance launched the same time as Big Magic launched. Yes. And like, and you were on Periscope and that was the heydays. And, um, and then everything like exploded in my life all at the same time. And you were part of that. So I'm That's so really, excited to have you here. That's really wonderful. I know. I remember when you started sending text messages uh, as a way to help parents in the moment remember mm-hmm to connect with their kids, to play a game, to slow down, to make eye contact. 
which I thought was just genius. It reminded me of when the fly lady used to send me emails to tell me how to clean my house. And I actually still get your text messages. I'm still on that list. And I read them every day. And I don't have small children here anymore. But um, it still is beneficial to me. Sometimes it's just remembering to focus on the two adult kids I have living in my house. Like the other day, I thought to myself, we're coexisting in this space, but have I walked by and hugged Liam, made eye contact, asked him a question, or are we just sort of two ships passing in the day? <laughs> and so, yeah, I just love that you do that. And it's fun to think that I had any part of that. That's I, I feel like the text messages, it's like the nudge, right? Like I'm trying to be like your fairy godmother of connection to remind someone in that moment, just a that you're here and you get to have fun. You know, part of what it does reminds me of what happens when I'm with um, a trainer at the Y. So I have, I have this goal to learn how to lift weights and I don't really know how to do it myself. And the Y had this special on and I could sign up for a trainer. So I had one at LA Fitness years ago and it was a guy and it was just never very comfortable for me. But in watch walks this adorable, you know, 38-year-old mom. We're about the same size. And suddenly, I feel more comfortable even attempting the stuff she's asking me to do because she's the expert. She gives me a list. Now I'm on an app with a little series of things to do. She reminds me what to do when I don't see her. And I don't know, there's something about that partnership, somebody reminding you of your best intentions, holding you accountable through friendship, support, partnering, that makes it possible to carry out your best intentions. I think too yeah. often we load our own shoulders up with all these expectations, like we have to remember everything, we have to do it all simultaneously, and we have to draw on all our own resources. So what you're offering and what I always hope I offer in the Brave Rider model is that additional coaching, that little bit of support to take that extra pressure off of you. Absolutely. And that's what I have found for Brave Writer. Um, that is why I found you. I <laughs> mean, <laughs> someone raved about you on a blog. I was thinking about it during my run today. Like, how long have I followed Julie online? Mm. And I have to say, it's got to be 2010 when I was in Connecticut. Wow. Like, I was trying to put the framework of, like, where was my computer desk? <laughs> like, what house was this in that I was reading blogs about you? <laughs> oh, that's amazing. That's fabulous. I love it. That's a long time. That's nine years. And your how to have fun with a six-year-old, how to do kindergarten or first grade, that blog is still my favorite to share with anyone I ever meet. Oh, thank you. That is so nice. I, um, yeah, I'm always amazed at how many people have used that post uh, and I see it shared all over the place. So it is a pretty popular one. Yeah. <laughs> so in that blog, you talk about how for a six-year-old, the best curriculum is play and just living. But do you find that play and just living is really the best curriculum for life in adulthood too? It certainly could be. I think what they show in the brain research is that when you are experiencing pleasure, 
the neurotransmitters in your brain are actually more receptive. They do a better job of retaining what happens in that space. They do a better job of being open to the creative problem solving that's needed to accomplish whatever you're doing. And I'm sure you've experienced this. When you feel resistant, half of your brain is sustaining the resistance and the other half is trying to learn something. So you're, you're already a divided country, right? You're already fighting yourself. But that makes you, perfect sense. Yeah. So when you're in a play mode or in a pleasure-driven mode, there is an openness. There's a relaxedness. The brain is not fighting itself. You're not resisting. So I think play accomplishes that in a way that is very tangible for people. I could say make things more pleasurable, but if you say the word play, they know what you mean by that. And of mm -hmm. course, play is not necessarily a game with rules, with winners and losers. Play is the willingness to create an environment that brings that pleasure. So it might be as simple as something like enhancing the environment with food or a drink or, uh, you know, rubbing someone's shoulders. It's getting out of our sort of obligation and duty and shoulds that we associate with tasks and entering into the spirit of pleasure. Now, I think that's, you know, pleasure is sort of a taboo word in education. So play It's a taboo us word everywhere. Yeah, Let's just be honest. Like <laughs> in all of America, we are productivity based. That's right. Pleasure we play reward. and pleasure yeah. is um, just bonus. It's never what we should base life on. That's life right. shouldn't be pleasurable first. We have to prove ourselves first. We have to earn it. We have mm -hmm. to, yeah, exactly. Prove ourselves. We have to earn the right to be happy or to feel good. And what's interesting is during the first five years of life, we're so much more willing to indulge play because those years, for most of us anyway, have not been corrupted by school expectations. Mm -hmm. Now that's changing. Um, I have a, a cousin-in-law who has a little boy who's four years old now. When he was two years old, this father called me and asked what he should be doing to ensure that this child would learn his alphabet. This kid was two. And he wanted to make sure he didn't ruin him by ignoring this very important step. And of course, I immediately said, if you want him to learn the alphabet, just get a whole bunch of letters that are made out of magnets and play with them. <laughs> you know, please do not teach him the alphabet. Let him feel them in his hands, suck on them in his mouth, Move them around on a refrigerator. If you have alphabet blocks, stack them and build worlds with them. Yep. Let him experience pleasure related to those shapes before we start talking about instruction. So yeah. the early years were kind of more geared that way, except if you're these overachieving millennial parents, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I think everyone, you know, my kids are 13, 11 and seven, and it's been gearing this way since my kid was my 13 year old was a kid. Like, oh. this well, is not new. <laughs> no, it probably isn't. I mean, I remember baby Mozart and that kind of stuff uh -huh. when my kids were little. Yeah. But there is this um, enrolling them in preschool much more than my generation yeah. did, I think. And so anyway, the original point was this. I think zero to five when you're home with your children, play seems like the task. And right. Then there is it this, seems obvious that right. play is what should fill the day. That's right. Mm -hmm. And that's how we teach them everything. When we're playing with how to tie their shoes, we're telling them bunny ears. Mm -hmm. We're not saying the right lace. 
of 16 no. inches. <laughs> Everything was, has a rhyme. Right, yeah. right, exactly. Or if we're talking about something as simple as um, learning to speak, we change our voices. We imitate their mistakes. We um, tease them and create rhyming words. That's how we Right, you answer language. the play phone no matter what. That's right. <laughs> That's right. So as they get into those older ages, this sense of duty becomes our obligation. And what we can do if we're parents at home in particular for homeschooling, or if you're a parent after schooling or whatever, is to make sure that you are enriching the context. It's not to say that they shouldn't ever learn to read unless it's a game. It's that <laughs> if they are learning to read, what creates the pleasure connection? And so for some kids, it might be an online game that teaches them the phonics and they get to get a little bell or, or a badge as they move up the level. Mm -hmm. But it could also just be as simple as one of my friends who took her son out for ice cream twice a week in the afternoon to work on reading. Just leaving the house, being in a special environment, being alone with his mother, having a treat, that created a spirit of adventure and risk and a willingness to explore reading, not to perform reading. Yeah, that's that's the huge part, right? That play allows for exploring and we expect messy mistakes that nothing is going to work out the first time in play. We know it's a big risk. That's right. And there's a feeling when you talk about play that's different than execution. So when we start a game or there's there's an element of the unknown, mm -hmm. execution is all about getting it right for the final version that we know is the correct version. Right. So if you are executing reading, you are trying to read it accurately. If you are playing with reading, you're doing the best you can. You're making guesses. You're asking for help. Mm -hmm. You're wondering how you can conquer this page. You're not worried about being evaluated. You're interested in winning, yeah. you know, in competing <laughs> because of your own sort of ingenuity. Yeah. And I think that's really a big distinction. That is huge. So we've talked about how to, why play is important for our kids, but you also believe in this awesome adulting phrase that's in your book, The Brave Learner, and you've had podcasts about it, and I was on your podcast about it. So can you tell us what you mean by awesome adulting? Because play isn't just for our kids and academics and childhood. Right. So as you were growing up, there was usually, at least this was true for me, I had this belief that once I crested 18 years old, <laughs> I was going to be ushered into this other world of autonomy that was going to allow me to have a magical life, right? That's yep. what you think. When you're 12, you think, if only I were 20, I could do X. Mm -hmm. And my parents did a great job of sort of showcasing an amazing adult life. They were tennis players and golf players. My dad got his private pilot's license. My mother became yep. a freelance author. They threw these fabulous themed dress-up parties at our house. <laughs> they looked like they were having a great time. Let's just put it that way. And I was really excited to think when I hit that age, I'd be able to have a great time. I could pursue things that were meaningful and interesting to me. What ends up happening for so many of us, though, is we get married, we start having children, and we forget that we have earned the right to do the things we were looking forward to doing. We get so hunkered down on 
raising babies or homeschooling those kids or ushering them over to their soccer practice and then their ballet lesson <laughs> and then getting their homework done. We're the fancy we Uber. <laughs> yes, a fancy Uber. Exactly. We lose touch with the fact that, hey, we did cross a certain threshold into this awesome experience of adulthood where we can stay up as late as we want. We can become a marathoner, mm -hmm. run every day like you, yep. go to a spa, learn how to paint, learn how to draw, become the kind of person who is an expert at gardening and composting. These are all avenues of self-nurturing and self-expression that we get to pick for ourselves just because we're grown-ups. So I like to bring that up because I was talking about this recently. Someone said to me, you know, I'm just so bored I, and I find homeschooling challenging and I'm sick of parenting. And, and they were like, so what's the method for me to be better at those jobs? And I said, what's missing in your life isn't more order. It's stimulation. She needs to if have fun. Yeah, that's exactly right. If you do something that nourishes you, you will actually have more energy for all of those obligations. But if all you do is screw down harder and harder mm -hmm. on the obligations, eventually you'll crack and your kids will feel like they are the cause of your depression and your unhappy adult life. Yeah. In the Navy, my husband and I went through the training and they did this class for Navy leaders and they talked about being in hypervigilance mode. And that's what moms are in all the time. Like they were talking to Navy captains and these leaders, right, of big commands. But I was sitting there as he was talking and I'm like, yeah, <laughs> this is this is what motherhood is, especially if you're a full time mother. There's no backup. Right. Most of the days right. you're you're the leader. And you're on call 24 hours. So um, I was laughing right. about this hypervigilance thing and they were training their Navy leadership. I'm like, there is no training on this for mothers. Like we don't talk about the fact that burnout is a real thing and that when you're bored, the best remedy is just fun. Yes. Finding a way to re-energize your optimism for your own life. I think when we focus so exclusively on our children, we that's when we fall prey to the notion of living through them. We yeah. start wanting them to take ballet. My mom used to joke that her father was constantly saying to her and her sister that they needed to take piano lessons. They needed to play this one piece. It was his favorite piece, Claire de Lune. And finally one day, at, and he would tell my mom's mother. So my grandmother, mm -hmm. even she needed to take piano lessons. And finally, one day at the dinner table, Eva, my grandmother turned to my grandfather, Phil and said, Phil, clearly you need piano lessons. You're the one who wants the music. You're the one who <laughs> thinks it would be fun. Why are you expecting the three of us to do piano when it's clearly what you want for your life? And I think that happens a lot. We're so busy imagining a future for our children when we are already living in the adult future and we could have those things for ourselves. Here's the cool thing. When you live a rich adult life for you, your kids catch a vision for why they need to do the obligations so that they can cross that threshold someday and have that same opportunity to live a really meaningful, exciting adult life. That, yeah, that's fantastic. And I love that she called him out. Did he ever take piano lessons? 
No. Because <laughs> he could not comprehend that that was an okay thing for him to do. Aww. You know? He had this notion that it lived in his children, maybe in his wife. And my mom said, looking back, you know, he grew up in a family of 13 kids. Oh, wow. They were immigrants yep. from Ireland. The father was a derelict drunk. Mm -hmm. My grandfather left school in eighth grade and became one of the primary sources of income to that family. So his greatest sense of adult self was making sure other people had a better life than he had mm -hmm. as a child. And so that became his only mission. And my mom said she wishes that he had had more outlets because the pressure he put on them to live his unfulfilled dreams was enormous. That's huge. And I find myself like on my bad days, I'm realizing that they're fueled by that, right? Like the right. pressure is that I'm too emotionally invested and then I need to back off and go have some more fun myself. That's right. That I'm putting too much pressure and that's why things feel hard. That's what I yes, find. That is what makes them feel hard. And sometimes I think our kids, they, they sense it. They might not be able to articulate it, but they sense that our well-being is now contingent on their performing for us. Right. So we don't want them to quit ballet because it would be so beautiful to watch my daughter who's 12 <laughs> turn 16 and go on point when really that daughter, if she had her druthers, might not even be a dancer. But we are becoming invested in this vision and it's sort of a, a version of ourselves living outside of our bodies. Our kids know that and they naturally resist it. They want to be their own person. And we yep. want to support that. I hope that you've enjoyed part one of my conversation with Julie. I hope there was at least one moment in our conversation that made you pause and reflect on the role of pleasure and play in childhood and parenthood. But for now, we have to end on self-care. So the self-care task that I need you to do this week is to use the link in the show notes for Idina Menzel singing Defying Gravity and dance around to it, twirl, you know, rock your socks off. The family play idea for this week is for when you're driving around town. I want you to notice when a car is odd near you or a delivery truck has the door open and it's driving down the road, something and have your kids make up a crazy story about why that thing is what it is. You won't regret it. Your kids are amazing and so silly. Enjoy today. You are the perfect mom for your kids. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.